What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 116 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you, as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, I want you to know these episodes are a blast to put out, but I couldn't do them without our amazing North Star team, Will and C.A. and Jeremy that help make these things happen every month. And I just want to say a huge thank you to them. And I also say a huge thank you to you for not only listening, but for sharing and for telling a buddy about it and telling a friend about it and sharing it on your social media and for stopping, many of you stopping and going to leave a rating, a review on iTunes because it helps so much. And even today, man, if you enjoy this, just take a second, hit pause, leave a rating. And if you got a second, leave a little review because it does go so far. This most recent review was left on iTunes. It said that I'm a podcast junkie. And this one is definitely in one of my top five in my library. Even when I think, hmm, that really doesn't apply to me or I've never heard of the person he's interviewing, I still listen and I always come away with nuggets of inspiration. Mike is so personal and knows how to ask the right questions. Thank you, Mike, for your leadership and letting God use you to reach so many for him. No, thank you to you, number five. It means the world that you listen. It means the world that you took the time to leave a rating and a review and also to give me your ear and your heart when you don't know who the guest is, because I, I promise you, everybody brings something to the table, no matter where they're from or who they are. Today is going to be one of those guys. Today, I'm going to get to introduce you to a gentleman who is a great friend of mine. His name is Tommy Alleygood. If you live in and around Ackworth, Kennesaw, the community I live in, or Northwest Cobb County, y'all, you know Tommy. But if you live outside of that, you may not know Tommy Alleygood. He got on the city council in 2002 in the city of Ackworth, but he didn't stay there long. Tommy began to move up, and Tommy began to um, really make the changes that needed to be made for Acor to become the community that it is today. And I tell people this all the time. Long before Ackworth became a destination spot, Tommy Alleygood saw it. He became mayor of the city of Ackworth in 2002 and is currently serving his fifth unopposed term and about to be his sixth unopposed term. During his time as mayor, the city's doubled in population They've become the fastest growing city residentially and commercially in the burgeoning Cobb County uh, community in Metro Atlanta. And Tommy leads with passion. He leads with authenticity. And he leads what I think one of his greatest, greatest abilities is leading 
with vision. In 2010, I got to accompany Tommy and many of our other community representatives to Kansas City when Ackworth was voted as one of America's all-America cities, a great prestigious honor for this community. Tommy is a leader, and Tommy is a leader of leaders. You are going to love my time with Tommy Alligood. So I don't know where you are. I don't know how you're listening in, but I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to take some good notes from my conversation with Mayor Tommy Alligood. Well, Mayor Alligood, it is such an honor to have you as a guest on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. Thanks so much for joining me this morning. My honor, Mike. Well, you are one of my favorite people. We all know you as the longtime mayor of Ackworth, and we're going to get into that today. Um, You're respected all across our community, but you had a past way before you showed up in Ackworth. Walk me through growing up as Tommy Alligood. Give me a little of your story, where you grew up and how you grew up. You know, Mike, I grew up here in, in the greater Atlanta area. I grew up actually in Sandy Springs. And um, uh, went to high school in Sandy Springs, uh, went to uh, uh, military college back in 1968. My dad uh, uh, made a decision for me as to where I was going to go to college. Uh, I had no choice in it. It was uh, <laughs> Gordon Military College. It, no. and at the time, it was kind of like uh, going to reform school. And my dad, knowing what I needed at the moment that I needed it at, uh, really gave me an option. I could go to work at the Gulf Station up the street and get an apartment, or I could go to Gordon Military College. Uh, you might imagine I chose Gordon. <laughs> and then went on to University of Georgia, graduated uh, there in, in uh, 1972, and uh, went right to work. Got got married, went to work, uh, and started a career all in the same day as I graduated from University of Georgia in 1972. So kind of fast forward uh, through uh, a, a season of a career season. I worked for a company, big company called Lowe's, the Lowe's that you know today. It was a different business model then. But then something happened uh, in that journey, and there was a, a real entrepreneurial spirit within inside of me that, that was not satisfied with putting on a tie every day, wasn't satisfied with the, a corporate environment. And I just became this, this, uh, this entrepreneur that, that began different types of businesses, building businesses, uh, uh, actually uh, building supply businesses, building houses. I, I just became a builder of, of homes, of businesses, of people, and, um, and still doing that today. I'm still a, a builder today. When you were growing up, did, did you ever even fathom that would be the direction your life would take? Oh, no, no, no. I never... Um, I never thought about having this series of adventures. I call them adventures. I never thought about that. I always um, uh, thought of myself as being uh, like my dad, uh, kind of this working at the same place for all these years. But then uh, in about 1980, right, right around that time, uh, is when this this idea, this uh, idea that I would be uh, in business for myself, that I would start businesses, uh, kept, became really uh, kind of a, a mission in my life. So you you talked about your dad. Your parents have had a massive. In fact, we before we went on today, we were talking about your mom. Talk to me a little bit about the, your parents and the influence 
they had in your life and how you are today and who you are today. How was it shaped by them in that time growing up? Well, Mike, obviously it was a different time. I, I, I grew up during the 60s and uh, had graduated from college in 1972. So your, your parents, your relationship with your parents uh, then was a lot different than today. I think uh, uh, for me, my mom and my dad had a lot of influence on me. Uh, uh, my, my mom, uh, spiritually, they were they were spiritual leaders in my life. There were there were people I looked to that to kind of a as as you know how to really get it right. And became a Christian when I was twelve years old and was with my mom. And I think those experiences that you have with your parents that your parents are a part of are are really become part of your identity as to who you are and what you are. And, um, and again, I just respected my parents so much. Uh, my dad, World War II, uh, hero, he went in on Normandy beach was, was there that morning, uh, that in, in June the 6th, 1944, never talked about it all his life till right at the end of his life. And I, I realized what a, what a hero my dad was a veteran hero so much so that my sister and I recently went to uh, Normandy, uh, walked on the beach where he came in that morning and kind of revisited, took his steps again. Mm. My mom uh, still today is with us today, 94 years old and, uh, what, is still someone that has a lot of influence in my life. Somebody that I look to, that I know that that God has used in a special way in my life. What is it about, you know, we talked a little bit before we went on the air. What is it about your mom's spiritual um, depth that challenges you about that spiritual piece of your life? What would you say? Mike, it, it, I can sum it up really easily. She, my mom is the most optimistic person uh, that I know. I think that's where my optimism and my encouragement came from uh, is, is being part of her in obviously probably in my DNA, but actually uh, living out her, her faith that she did every single day. Uh, and that, that optimism, that optimism that I've seen her live out through her life that comes from that knowing that that assurance that confidence of knowing Jesus Christ uh, has been something that has been so influential in my life people uh, all the time are telling me that I'm optimistic I I'm, I'm an encourager I, I believe that that comes through the DNA from my mom of, of what of how she lives her life uh, yet today and and right here at the end for her 94 she she knows kind of where she is uh, in her walk and yet today she uh, is so full of life and so optimistic uh, and is so appreciative of everything that God has done in her life. What a blessing what you know you, you look back and you go okay Lord thank you for in giving me this incredible grounding that you gave me, where would Tommy Alligood be if you hadn't gone George military college? Do you think your life, you know, your dad, your dad really not giving you much of a choice there. Do you think your life would look different now? What did you pick up there that helped shape you into who you are? 
Well, I told you it was like a choice of going to reform school. You know, most people today wouldn't know what reform school was. You do. But uh, it was really like going to reform school. I had been this this wild and woolly uh, teenager that um, was just this big party guy that uh, in 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 high school and not a very good student. Um, I had a, a learning disability at the time. I didn't know it. And I really was was not a very good student, um, but I was really good at social things, going to parties, giving parties, uh, and all of those things. And my dad knew that. He knew that I did not have the self-discipline. Didn't know I had a learning disability, but he knew that I did not have that self-discipline and put me in a place uh, at Gordon Military College there down there in Barnesville, Georgia, in 1968, when all my friends... Uh, were going, many of my friends were going to Vietnam, put me in a place that prepared me, if I had had to go to Vietnam, that I would have been prepared uh, in a way that others would not have, but also put me in an environment where um, where the academic disciplines that I had never have, never used in my life, uh, were put in place, and I had to study and uh, really became confident in, in some academic areas that, that without that I probably would not have made it through college. I, if I'd gone to University of Georgia as a freshman, uh, I would have been home, you know, within, uh, at that time, there were quarters, not semester. I would have been home at Christmas time. <laughs> well, here, so here's... Work, work, working at the Gulf Station. That Working at the Gulf Station, that's right, in your own apartment that you're paying for, I guarantee you. So, so here's young Tommy Allegheny, leave Lowe's which isn't quite what it is now, but same, same pathway. And you become an entrepreneur and you become a builder. Um, did you experience some setbacks and some adversity along the way as you set out on these dreams? Cause I think sometimes we think, okay, God's laid this dream on my heart and I'm chasing it and it's all going to work out great. What are some adversities you've had to walk through in life mayor that have helped shape you into who you are? Well, I think, as working, I worked at Lowe's off and on for about 15 years. And during that time, uh, I began uh, the, I had op- some opportunities working with Lowe's as well as outside of Lowe's uh, for some international housing uh, uh, um, uh, concepts and helped to create this uh, low cost housing idea. And I worked on that for a couple of years, traveled internationally, tried to get that going. And that was really kind of my first entrepreneurial uh, step there. I had the safety of Lowe's at the time because I could kind of come back and forth, uh, was not doing it with Lowe's, but doing it with some Lowe's uh, executives at the time. Uh, after, After that period of time, leaving Lowe's, I started my own supply business right in Marietta, very successful, and uh, and went on to uh, have a, a very large uh, presence uh, in Cobb County. But in 19, um, 1988, uh, as the uh, economy took a, a big downturn here in Cobb County, uh, it was probably only the first time if you ever look back and you see a negative job growth in 1988 and 89, and the business that we had um, uh, was was not sustainable. It failed. I filed bankruptcy, mm. and um, uh, it was a, a time that was a very traumatic time. I'd been very successful, and now I was very broke and, and uh, very broken. Uh, so uh, any entrepreneur knows that 
anytime that you step out to do something on your own, you take a risk. You, you take uh, the ultimate risk. If you borrow money, if you sign on a note, you take a risk. And I had a pretty big risk and, uh, and things didn't work out. So, um, but as, as kind of, um, uh, things go and as life goes is God has a plan for us. Uh, in 1988, as our business began to fail, uh, I was single at the time as our business began to fail. And it, it was a big business. We employed a lot of people. It was a big failure. It was a, a failure that you read about in the Atlanta business chronicle. Uh, and, um, uh, I've always kind of had this fear of failure. And so your worst, your, your worst fear is to fail in business and everybody read about it. Well, that's what happened to me. And, um, but at that time in 1988, uh, my wife today, Carol lived in Key Largo, Florida and was going through a very bad time in her life. And she was praying that God would bring a Christian man into her life and so up here in Marietta, I've never even been to Key Largo. I didn't even know where it was on the map, but uh, that was 1988, 89, 90. Then, in, uh, and all during that time, she continues to pray that God would bring a Christian man into her life. Well, uh, Hurricane Andrew comes along in, in 1993 and um, provides an opportunity for me and my best friend, uh, Steve, to open a building supply. Guess where? Key Largo, Florida. Wow. I meet, I meet Carol. I meet Carol almost day one, the day that I come there. We, we get to be good friends. Then we get married. And, um, and then we began this journey that has been a great marriage with a great partner. Um, but again, see, it goes back to the certain things in my life. I had to fail mm. in, in Marietta, Georgia at this building supply venture adventure. I had to fail at that in order for God to open the doors for me to meet Carol. And, um, and it, it was a, a wonderful opportunity. Went to Key Largo, Florida, opened a building supply business with my friend, Steve. Then we went on to have a, a contract with the state of Florida to repair properties for the RTC. Um, just one thing kind of leading to another, which it is, uh, it is from that experience that brings us back to, to Ackworth, Georgia. Uh, as uh, in 1997. So we come back to Ackworth, Georgia. Uh, again, uh, what brought us to Ackworth, Georgia was we found this old historic home that we live in today. We thought we'd come fix it up. I'm this entrepreneur. I'm always building something. And so we found this opportunity. I had a good friend that was my partner in the building supply business that had a little building supplies business here. And so we came here. I thought we were going to be here maybe about a year. Mm. And, uh, and here we are 24 years later, still uh, in Ackworth, Georgia, and very involved in the city, uh, as you know, today. What do you learn through failure you can't learn any other way? Because I'm sure at the time when you were at the peak of your career and life is just all up and to the right, you think this is as good as it gets. But what can you learn in failure you can't learn any other way, Mayor? Mike? In, in failure, as you walk through uh, what I call, uh, and, and I'm going to share another uh, example of a real big setback with you in just a minute, but as you walk through those valley of shadow of death experiences, uh, I believe you, because of where you are in your circumstances, you become more malleable. You're, mm -hmm. you're listening better. You're, you're praying more. You're, you're asking God, you're, you're just much more because you're, you're in a place and you need help. 
and you need more help than you do. It's exactly a kind of a paradox uh, is when you think you're on top and you're in control, then you are not as reliant on God as you are when you're, when all the stops are pulled out from under you. So it is in those moments that you are so malleable that you, um, I, I think you learn your greatest lessons. Mm-hmm. My greatest lessons have been learned through the failures in my life. And, uh, and you might imagine, you think about, for me, I've probably had 25 different business adventures. So it, there's a series of adventures, one thing leading to another. And with 25 different business adventures, it's just like baseball. You have probably, for me, I've had more failures mm, mm. than I've had successes. And uh, for me, kind of, I've learned for me, they, I call my failures, uh, fa- failure is not fatal. And I call them my successful failures because of the wonderful lessons that I've learned. And I, I'll give you a really good example of something that happened right here 10 years ago. I've had two really important valley of shadow of death experiences. Um, and back uh, in 2008, uh, I had a really good friend that I had been in business with at Lowe's named Tom. And Tom uh, unexpectedly died. He he fell dead with a heart attack, and um, and he had been an alcoholic, and had during the last years of his life had really done a really great job uh, alienating everybody, uh, as 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 addictions do with people and friends, and so he died. And my friend Steve, who we were in the building supply business together, asked me to come to his funeral. I I flew to Orlando, Florida, one one Saturday afternoon. Steve picks me up at the airport. We get to the funeral home, and and there's no cars in the parking lot. We were walking across the parking lot, and Steve says, "Tommy, would you would you please say something? Say some words about Tom." And I said, sure. Yeah, I'm never lost for words. And we go in and we sit down and there's maybe 10 people in there, uh, sitting there. They were all Steve's friends. There weren't any of Tom's friends there. And I all of a sudden said, what am I going to say about Tom? There was not anything that I could think of that was redeeming. See, Tom had been really, really successful and had made a lot of money. He had millions of dollars in the bank but he left no footprints that he left nothing about his life and with his friends that anybody would want to emulate. Well, fly back on the airplane that afternoon. I was thinking, you know, gosh, what if, what if somebody, what if it was my funeral and somebody unexpectedly uh, called on somebody, they called on you, Mike, what, what would somebody say about me if called on unexpectedly? Would they, would they, would they say, something really good or would they be like me at a loss for words to say that was life-changing for mm. me and 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 then within just a matter of months the great recession happens <clears throat> and once again uh as the economy melts down our our personal carol and I, our personal business our personal businesses our bank account everything melts down with the economy and we began this, this slow process. It's like being in quicksand, sinking an inch by inch every single day. And it was, it was that experience standing next to Tom's casket and then, and then almost immediately this, 
this meltdown with the businesses of everything and everything that we made, we lost everything. At one point, we thought we were going to lose our house mm. and we did. God kind of intervenes. But it was through that time that I was so uh, aware I was I was 60. I was I was just kind of getting ready to turn 60 years old. And I'm thinking, you know, the whole thing with Tom, he had had all this money and made all this money, the measure of his success, the way everybody would have measured Tom as being really successful. And and then all of a sudden we were at this pinnacle. We lose everything. And I'm thinking, what is the measure of success? How do I, you know, what, you know, it goes back to this whole thing about Tom and what would somebody say at my funeral, which began for me, the realization, a reevaluation of everything in my life. Um, and I began to take from all of my experiences. I, I, I came up with three different lessons, simple lessons that I was going to live by. And they came from, my experiences that uh, where I was down mm. and they came from that experience standing next to Tom Shepard's uh, casket. And the three lessons were simple that from now on every single day that I would live my life with purpose, the purpose to show God's love that I would live every day to make a difference that I would leave everybody better than when I found them. And that uh, I would live life as an adventure and the adventure. See, I'd had 25 different adventures, but now the new adventure looks like this. It's an adventure that it looks for opportunities to do what nobody else wants to do, to take mm -hmm. that road, less travel. Uh, and it's the little things it's doing uh, uh, something that nobody else wants to do. And most of the time, Nobody's even watching or seeing what I'm doing. So it is those three lessons from those that experience of the Great Recession and Tom's funeral that changed everything. These the three lessons now are my roadmap. It's how I live my day, and and I'm so aware of everything that I do with these lessons every single day. And those lessons have become the leadership lessons, Mike of making sure that in, in, in the leadership role as being the mayor for the last 20 years, see that leadership role that I've been in now has changed because now to, to live and to lead with purpose is about showing God's love. And as John Maxwell says, we know that, that, that leadership is influenced, but now see, I've, I've, I've been able to, to learn how to put that component of love because Leadership without love doesn't have any long-lasting leadership. Uh, making a difference, leadership to, to make a difference, it's about kindness. I, uh, along the way, I met I meet a guy named Chris Rosati who had uh, diagnosed with ALS in, in 2014. And Chris Rosati, from a wheelchair, creates a, a nonprofit called Big, Big, Big Ideas for a Greater Good. And what he does, he gives grants he grants people money for doing kind things to other people. And he actually, from his wheelchair, changes his world. So I learned that leadership has got to be kind. People don't care how much we know unless we know, unless they know how much we care about it. And then finally, the adventure, leadership that understands that looking for opportunity to do the things, to roll your sleeves up, to do the things that nobody else wants to do. So those are the three lessons that I live by, they're also the three leadership lessons that have made all the difference 
in my life and the way I live my life every single day, the way I measure uh, every, the way I want to, the way I want to be measured when, when I'm not here anymore and the footprints that I leave behind, uh, I want those footprints to be measured by the leadership skills that I leave behind. You know, you, you talked about coming to know Christ when you were 12, how is your spiritual life now through adversity and through failure and through standing at your friend's coffin and saying those words, what's that done to your spiritual journey in the, um, intensity. And I, and I think the, the, the way you choose every day, and I love those three things, how you choose to live it out. How is, how is your spiritual journey affecting that? Well, you got to remember that that very first lesson and the very first leadership lesson is to, to live every day with purpose yeah. to show God's love. So that is something that it's not about me. It's like Rick Warren says that first sentence in his book, purpose-driven life. It's not about me. And I want to make sure that I don't forget that again. I, in my life, in my spiritual journey, a couple of times, even though being a Christian, I've forgotten it. See, I thought it was me that was doing all mm-hmm. this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I forgot that. And, and, and what I've, what I've learned is that to have real significance, to have real significance only can come if you if you are in touch and and asking God every single day to make sure that you show God's love. I don't I don't think I don't think without God and and Jesus in that awareness that that self awareness every single day without that without that spiritual awareness, you know you you're not going to you're not going to be able to stay in touch. Mm. Uh, I've lost touch a couple of times and, and basically because of circumstances in my life, I don't think God created circumstances to bring me back. I think things just happened, unplanned circumstances, things just happened the way that they happened. But it was through those experiences that God kind of pulled me back, showed me how much he loved me and to allowed me to create these, to, to take experiences, put them into lessons, simple lessons that I could live my life every day and, and know, and know Mike in my heart that I, I have significance. That's so good. You know, you, uh, you've, you've been mayor in Ackworth as long as I can remember, and you've run unopposed for how many elections now have you been unopposed? Well, there's been five different election cycles, and and nobody has run against me yet. There, there'll be one next year, and uh, uh, that that probably will change at some point. But up up to this point, five different election cycles, and nobody's run against me. And I, I would say this, and for those of you that live outside the the Cobb County region and Atlanta region, you may not know the city of Ackworth, one of the greatest cities in the state of Georgia, an all American city. Nonetheless, in 2010, is that correct, Mayor? That is correct. And it is what an incredible honor that was. What does it take to be a great mayor and a great leader in a community? You guys just showed up at Ackworth to restore a home. You didn't plan on staying here. It wasn't like your lifelong dream. You're in Key Largo, Florida going, one day I'm going to be the mayor of Ackworth and I am going to be one of the key influences in that region. What does it take to be a great mayor? What would you say? 
You know, that that is, uh, you're exactly right. On the first day we visited Ackworth, we were standing downtown and there was no businesses open. <laughs> there was there was not any businesses downtown. We had a population of about 10,000 people. Uh, there was nothing out on Highway 41. There was a, 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 a Kroger and a brand new Home Depot. And um, you're right. We looked at coming to buy this old home and restore the home. Well, after we got here, we we, there was a real estate opportunity, and I was complaining with Carol about uh, one one afternoon about the fact that I was trying to buy the property and get it rezoned, and I couldn't get anybody uh, at the city to work with me and help me do that. She says, well, you're always the one that is saying, rather than being part of the problem and whining and complaining, <laughs> you ought to do something about it. Well, there was an election at the time, and I I, got, I went down, signed up. I didn't even know what I was doing. Signed up on the last day to run for city council and got elected. And in a very, within a matter of probably just months, I became kind of the communicator on the city council with people. And I realized that there was a lot of opportunity in this community. But I also realized that that I had certain leadership skills. Mm that others didn't have. And I could use my leadership skills of working with people and, and inspiring people to actually uh, uh, to, to be pivotal in, in, the, uh, in the story of Ackworth, Georgia. So as we had this little city with 10,000 people and that nobody really wanted to come to, and we began with a very simple, important component, the police department. We, we, kind, we kind of began there with the police department, building trust. And I talk a lot about trust and how in every, in every relationship, whether it be your relationship at home with your wife, with your children, with your friends, or your relationship at work, and or if, especially if you're an elected leader, building trust is the most important component to building a community. So we began by putting uh, a building a police department and today we have one of the most respected police departments and it really just has to do with with the leadership that's in place. You get the right you hire the right people like Chief Wayne Dinner and you put the right people in place in the departments and you can earn trust and at that time and, and, and in doing so those those leadership qualities began to permeate every part of your your community. So I I think I think beginning with trust was kind of our starting point. Then vision, having a vision, uh, quality of life. We we began um, uh, 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 this this quality of life campaign. It, I always laugh and I say, you know, on the day that we started to build our community, I I had this big. Uh, opportunity a presentation with the chamber of commerce and i told everybody in 2001 that we had this great quality of life and i always laughed to myself on the day that that i told him that i don't think we had any quality of life i i don't even, I don't even i'm not even sure i knew what it was but we soon figured it out yep. and we started building quality of life we began with trust then we had a vision to build quality of life and and then that's really the story. It's the story of a city that goes from last place in Cobb County to first place. Quality of life is why we've had all this great growth, quality growth, where businesses and people have wanted to come 
and, and be part of our community. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I've got to say that, that an important part of the quality of life has been that we, as a, a leadership team, an elected team, that we knew God was blessing us with people like Chief Wayne Dennard, Brian Boltice, James Albright, all of those young people that we hired. See, God engineered all of that. And we kept thanking God all along the way, thanking him for building trust for the quality of life and recognizing that we weren't doing this ourselves, that, that, that God was uh, helping us to build this great community. But then also an important part of our quality of life has been our faith-based community. And, and I'll just say this, you, you at North Star Church, you, you have been uh, such an important part of our story, of our faith-based story about how God uses a congregation of people to give back and to transform our community. You talked about the All-America City uh, uh, designation a few minutes ago. You see, those judges that day in Kansas City, you were standing on this on the on the stage. Those judges chose Ackworth, Georgia, because of the loving, caring community that we were. How we had invested in children's lives and changed our community, and that had that was a very fundamental uh, uh, recognition that we got. Uh, and it was it was really uh, kind of how we a story about how God had given us a heart to invest in the young people and people in our community. You know, Mayor, I look back, I, and I think we've talked about this. I, I lived in the community long before I came to North Star. And I had never even driven in Ackworth. There was nothing there. There was no reason to drive there. Now, really, everybody's life centers around the restaurants and the parks and life in Ackworth. And you have done such a great job. And, I, and that phrase you used earlier, you know, I found out I was a builder. You know, I built businesses. I built homes. But I think the greatest builder, Mayor, that you are is you build people. And I think the quality of life and the quality of the community is directly proportional to what it, how you've let God use you to build people in that process. You know, Scripture says something really interesting. It says, when David finished his purpose, when David lived out his purpose, he went to sleep. What do you think was the purpose God created Tommy Alley Good for? What would you say? That's a great question. I believe, see, Henry Ford says it pretty clearly. He says, life as I see it is not a location. It's not about being in one place. It's a journey. Hmm. And Henry Ford believed in the forward motion of life, that we should always be moving forward. We should never be satisfied with just being in one place. And I believe that, that God when you look back over my life and you see all the places I've been, I've been to central Siberia. I've been to Key Largo, Florida. I've been to Singapore, all of these places. You, if you could see all the lines on the map of where I've been, you would say, what in the world was this guy doing? And, and here he is today uh, in Accra, Georgia, and, and is right here. And, and I believe that God, uh, has, has a purpose for me and that my purpose was simply to to show his love. I, mm. I don't think 
any more complicated than that. And see, here's what Tom Shepard uh, reminded me of. And I'm going to show you something. This is an hourglass, Mike. And part of my story is all about this hourglass and and thinking about the important lesson. I, you know, I, I thought for the longest time, Tom Shepard didn't really, he had ruined every relationship in his life. But really what he taught me was that, you know, we don't have much time here. David, you talk about David, and you talk about he had this preoccupation with with how much time he was going to be on earth. And in Psalm 39, 4, he talks about he's got this conversation going with God. He says, he says, he says, tell me how many days I have left. Tell me, tell me about the time left I have here. And God answers back really clearly. He says, look, he says, he says, your days are numbered. That's where that, that's where that that's that scripture comes from your days are numbered and and you're gonna your life is going to be very brief it's going to be like instant just a flash you're going to be here so then you fast forward to my other scripture that uh is paul in in uh, ephesians 5 16 paul talks about how important it is that every single day that we make it count my three lessons are really my make it count lessons because we all have a time you know, for, for each one of us, when we start out, we all start with about 30,000 days. You get to be my age, you're down to maybe 5,000 days or maybe today, maybe today is it. And, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure that I make it count. I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be like my friend Tom, where people show up at the funeral. No, nobody shows up at the funeral and nobody knows what to say. I, I don't want that to happen to me. So I think God has put me here. What I realized in the last 10 years is to basically show his love and to do that in a way that, that, that leaves people better than when I found them. I want your life to be better. I want my wife, Carol's life to be better. I want our community's life to be better because I was here. Thank you, Mayor Tommy. So good. I will tell you this. There's never a time I get together with Tommy Alleygood that I don't leave inspired and I don't leave with more vision and more passion. And you, you just say, if everybody that, that was in a public office in the country led with the integrity that Tommy leads with and with the heart that he leads with, boy, we would have a great, great country. Thank you. I know... Uh, I know I enjoyed our time together, and I pray that you did as well. When our next episode, we get to sit down with Pastor Chris Hodges. Pastor Chris leads the great Church of the Highlands in Alabama, and I will say in Alabama because they have campuses literally all over the state. They're one of the largest churches in America, and Chris is one of the greatest leaders of any place, church, business, any of the above in this country. And he has a brand new book called Out of the Cave where we talk about, he talks about in the book and we talk about in the next episode, boy, that season of adversity he just walked through. And I know that you as a leader that you walk through, you are going to love that time with Pastor Chris Hodges. Well, if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. Boy, leave a rating and review for us. It does help us a ton. And I can't wait to be back with you for episode 117. Now, go be the leader that you are created to be 
in the space and place that God has put you. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com. 